0: Well, good evening, everybody. Good
1: evening, good evening. Good evening Mr.
0: Crowder. <laughs> Sit down, right? <laughs> I am, am That's <laughs> yeah, good to be back with you. Would <clears throat> you open your Bibles, please, in Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> chapter 4, we'll read verses 1 to 3 first of all, okay, verse 1, now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed, that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Um, Now we'll go to verse 17. They were arrested. They were taken before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin were not at all happy with what was going on. And so... uh, In verse 17, let's read verse 16, or maybe 15. But 15, when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people. Since they all glorified God, what had been done? For the man was over 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. 23. And being let go, they went to their own, Companions was in italics, which means it's not there. They went to their own and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David. Have said, Why did the heathen rage? Sorry, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. <clears throat> Opposition had begun. In Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came. And as we mentioned this morning, Peter, great, with great boldness, stood up, and uh, unafraid, he proclaimed the gospel uh, to those leaders. In chapter 3. Uh, the lame man was healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and as a result of uh, the commotion caused by this healing um, the the authorities didn't like it and so uh, they were greatly disturbed as you read in chapter 2 they laid hands on them and put them in custody in jail until it was until the next day, for it was already evening. Opposition had begun, <clears throat> and, you know, I've been saying for the last few weeks that I believe that God is likely to cause much more opposition to us here in the States than we've ever seen before. A brother handed me this just a few minutes ago. I mean, you all know about it. <clears throat> Student booted for refusal to stomp on Jesus. You heard about that just a few blocks down from where we've been staying at Boca. they told to write the name of Jesus on a piece of paper, put it on the ground and stomp on it. And apparently this one guy refused. He picked the paper up and put it down on the desk. And I thought, well, only one Christian? And it turns out that guy was a Mormon are there no Christians in that guy's class? Well, there were some. So what happened to them? Well, one girl was asked, what did you do? You're a Christian. She said, well, you know, I didn't want to fail my, that class, so I just did what I was told. <coughs> we have to stand up and learn not to compromise. And if we don't do that, <clears throat> I don't know where we're going to end up. That's why the church in China, the house church, has grown, because they refuse to compromise. And believers have to do the same. I think of the Old Testament. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego refused to bow down to that idol when the music played. Three men, and you know about 80, 75 or 80, were taken captive. So where are all the other young Jewish fellows? They must have all been bowing down to the idol. I'm afraid (coughs) it's a sad situation, but that's what we're beginning to see. People not willing to compromise. Um, I don't want to change the subject, but since I've got onto that, uh, let me just read you something from Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, you know that chapter. Uh, Heroes of the faith, we often call it. And it lists all the great men of faith of the past going down through um, Enoch, uh, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph and so on. Then you get down to verse 34 and just take a look at verse 34. Well, let's go to verse 35. 35 concludes the list of people who were delivered. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others, others, now look what happens. Others were just as faithful, were tortured. Why? not accepting deliverance, refusing to compromise. And so they were tortured that they might attain a better re- resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. Uh, they, were slain with, uh, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. You lost your job. You got no money to buy food. You may have no money to buy clothes. These guys lost everything. What did they dress in? Animal skins, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. You lost your home. These guys lost their homes, they were living in caves. Why? Because they had their faith fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and they refused to compromise. 39, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And as we see what's going on in the world today, I see that Christians are going to be called upon to stand up for Christ, even if it means being tossed into prison. I mean, these fellows in Acts, okay, they saw their their Savior, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, put to death. But as we thought, realized this morning, he rose from the dead victorious. Now they start the work that Christ has called them to do, going into all the world to preach the gospel. And the very first thing they they face is what? A night in prison. You go to chapter 5. We won't go there now. 5 and 6, what happens? All the apostles were arrested. This first time, Peter and John, they were put in prison and threatened. Chapter 5, they were all put in prison and they were beaten. Chapter 7, Stephen was brought before the Sanhedrin and he was stoned to death. Chapter 12, the government sides with the... with the religious rulers, Herod, representing the government, and uh, Peter and James are arrested, and James has his head chopped off. And they say that after the weekend, which is this particular Passover weekend, people call it Easter, I don't know where the name comes from, but anyway, this same weekend, After that, they were going to take Peter and hack his head off. But if you read chapter 12, it says, but prayer was made. And as a result of prayer, God allowed one man to go free, one believer, and he allowed another believer to go straight to be with the Lord. That was James. So we're going to face problems. When you see what's going on just around the corner, and we know that many other things are going on today, <clears throat> we have to be ready and to decide what are we going to do? How are we going to face these problems? Well, I just wanted to share a few thoughts on from chapter four in Acts. How did these men face the problem? They were very polite. <clears throat> they were threatened. Uh, they should never use the name of Jesus again. And Peter in verse 19, he says, well, you make you make the judgment. You're the guys in charge. Is it right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God? And of course, they wouldn't make that judgment because these were the religious leaders. So it was a very good question. But nevertheless, <clears throat> notice how polite he was. But in verse 20, he says, but we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, as far as he was concerned, and John, there was no turning back. We had someone sing that yesterday at the conference, I think you remember. No turning back. I mean, I told you about my friend, John Ngueli, who was stoned to death. We've had other people persecuted in in other ways, another young man, we call him our son. We have a lot of children in Africa. <clears throat> he became a, a teacher because he wanted to reach young people for Christ. And he refused uh, promotion because once you get into a, 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 an office, then you've got to deal with discipline cases and your relationship with students is completely different. So he remained as a classroom teacher for as long as he could finally <clears throat> and he had to go into that, uh, that office as the deputy head. Well, when, the, when you're a deputy head, your first, one of your jobs is to look after the money. And as he checked the money for that Zambezi Secondary School, he found about 11 million kwacha um, missing. <clears throat> the president had given a gift of 20 million to the school the headmaster and the head of the PTA went off to town. They bought an old vehicle and a few other things, and they brought back the invoices, and it came to about, I think, $9 million or something. So this young man went to the head and said, sir, we need invoices for the missing $11 million. Oh, yeah, we'll give it to you sometime, you know. <clears throat> give us time. Well, they never gave it to him. They typed up a list, not invoices, saying we spent so much on this, so much on this, which, of course, was absolutely useless. Gave it to our son, and uh, <clears throat> he said, that's no good, the, our auditors won't accept that. Well, that's all we got. Okay. So the day came, of course, when the auditors pitched up. They went to the headmaster's office, checked all the books, 11 million uh, kwacha not accounted for so they called in the guy responsible for doing the books that was our son and I said where's this 11 million i've been given this piece of paper and they produced the paper and he said that's not acceptable you know so he said i know it's not acceptable i've been telling this guy for months that is not acceptable now of course what was a sort of family school affairs now out in the open. <clears throat> and now the headmaster is involved, and uh, the auditors realize that he has not produced the invoices. Well, the auditor went back to Osaka. <clears throat> then there was a meeting called by the headmaster and the head of the PTA and the deputy head, our son. <clears throat> the head of the PTA put his hand in his pocket. He pulled out a pistol, and he said, if I go to jail, you're a dead man. That was okay. Our son went back, told his wife, and they prayed about it, and just left it with the Lord. A A week or so later, he came out of the house to go to work, and he found a pool of blood like that outside his house. And a, a Christian lady on the teaching staff, she came over and said, "You know what that is? She had no idea." She said, "Last night the headmaster called in a witch doctor and made a blood sacrifice to bewitch you." Oh. Three nights in a row, he did the same thing. So this young man just covered it up with sand and back inside to tell his wife and pray together and carried on working. You see, people that don't know Christ will always oppose Christ. And so if we see it increasing in this country, we shouldn't be surprised. However, God can take care of himself and he can take care of his people. And sometimes he decides to take one of his children straight to heaven as happened in in chapter 12 of Acts, when he took James to heaven and left Peter down here. So we have to be thinking about these things, because the more I listen to the news, which I find pretty depressing, um, the more one begins to realize things are just not what we knew they were when we were on our last furlough here. That was only about four four years ago. So what happens with Peter, Peter and John? He says, well, you decide, you the religious leaders, if it's better to to obey God or man. But as for us, we've made the decision that we believe is right, and we've just got to keep on uh, speaking about what we have seen and heard. Look at verse 23. Being let go... They, Peter and John, went to their own. I like that. They went to their own. You know, often we go back to our families when we're facing a problem and tell them, but the closest family we have is the family of God, and that's where they went. They went to their own, God's people. And what did they do? They reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now, notice here. They told them what, what, what had been said. Uh, <clears throat> and when they all heard it, verse 24, they raised their voice to God with one accord. I like that. I could guarantee that if it was us and someone had brought a report like that to us, As a group of elders, we would sit down and discuss it and think about what we should do and should we call in a lawyer and so on and so forth. They didn't do that. They didn't even discuss it. That's what I I, I find amazing. They never even discussed the situation. They heard what was said. They expected this kind of thing. They put the Lord Jesus to death and they... This is only, what, about 50 days or maybe more than that. Maybe a couple of months later. So they're not to expect anything better than was given to their Lord. They didn't discuss it. They just... uh, They didn't stop to make a plan. Should we plan something? What can we do? That's what we all love to do, don't we? Love to make a plan. I was talking to a, a guy from a certain country in Europe, I won't mention the country, a missionary. He said, the government have taken some of our land, we've got to fight them. And He brought up his fist as a public (laughs) at a prayer meeting. I said to him later, I said, brother, I don't think that's what you'll find in the word of God. I said, you don't have to fight them. You see, that brother felt that that was my work, and I've got to make sure that it keeps going. It's not our work. It's God's work. God can take care of his own work. We don't have to fight the government. We don't have to fight anybody, for that matter. We don't have to make plans. They didn't even even take counsel and make suggestions. You see, they realized that when they were told, you must not speak again in the name of Jesus, that was not their domain. The Lord Jesus had told them and was it Matthew 18? Um, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now here's direct opposition against his church. This is his job not ours, you know, we can get so attached to the work that we do. I, I've seen this in assemblies out in the bush where uh, an elder will say, "In you know, my assembly. It's not my assembly is the assembly of God's people. The Lord is the head. And I don't have to um, <clears throat> uh, start protecting my assembly because I don't have an assembly. Mm-hmm. It's God's work and it's God's domain. And gee, the Lord said, I... Uh, The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, I will build my church. And if you look in China, he's been building his church through persecution. Yeah. And maybe he'll purify and and build the church in the States through persecution. So we shouldn't look upon it as though this is some terrible catastrophe that's coming our way, not at all. I will build my church, the words of the Lord himself, and the gates of hell, all the power of Satan, all his demons and his servants will not prevail against it. They can chop off a few heads here and there, throw a few of us into prison, but they can't prevail against the Lord who's building his church. I will build my church, not my work, not my assembly. And that reminds us of that verse in uh, Philippians, be anxious for nothing. We get so anxious, when if we're elders anyway, I know we're not all elders, but we get so anxious if the work we seem to be involved in is being persecuted or some problems are being faced. But what's Philippians say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. <clears throat> uh, where are we? Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. Verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be known unto all men. We don't have to get up like that fellow did when I met him in New Jersey on our last fill. I said, We've got to fight the government. The next thing I heard, they are taking the government to court and having a, oh, it's just a big mess. <clears throat> he didn't tell us to put up buildings. The government had taken some ground. This guy wanted a bigger building. So how big is your building? Well, we've got a 1,000 people in that assembly. I said, a 1,000 people? He said, that's far too many. You should have six or seven or eight assemblies. How can a young man develop a gift in a, an assembly of a 1,000 people? Getting away from the scriptural pattern. Anyway, he wanted to fight the government. <clears throat> uh, and I don't believe that's scriptural. Let your gentleness be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. In verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Go back to chapter 4. We often spend hours discussing a problem, and if we put those hours into prayer, God would probably sort that problem out. I think of another brother in Philadelphia at a certain assembly. He's with the Lord now told me you know every saturday morning as elders we get together to pray for every member of this of their assembly i thought my that's very commendable because as elders we are shepherds and as younger people who are serving the lord we also should start becoming shepherds to those that god guides us to I was speaking at a conference, and again, I won't even mention the state, and there was one question brought about a very rebellious kid. There was on a panel after the guys had spoken, and unfortunately, I was one of the speakers. So the first question was put to me, <clears throat> okay, this couple has a very rebellious son He's in his late teens, and uh, what advice can you give them? What should they do? I thought to myself, now well, if that was my boy, what would I do? And the only thing that came to my mind was, I said, well, I would get down on my knees with my wife, night after night, and pour out that problem before the Lord. Oh, yeah, we know about prayer, but but you know, you can't. And he asked another guy on the panel. They didn't want to hear about prayer. <clears throat> they wanted to hear some. Some answer from the psychology of this world. That's what they were looking for. And I was very distressed at that. To think that uh, brothers in Christ are looking for that kind of answer. Because when you read the word of God, you don't find that that kind of thing happening. They always turn to prayer. As we've already pointed out in chapter 4 here. Verse 24, when they heard the report, they raised their voice to God with one accord. They just started praying. Wonderful. They say, well, you know, to pray, this guy who wants to fight the government in Europe there, he says, to pray is just too naive. Well, I said, "That's that's the biblical way. I don't see any other way. The Lord didn't say go out and build massive buildings. If you don't have a building, that's wonderful. <coughs> less, less maintenance to do. You can rent a, school, rent a school building like we do in Malawi half the time and a few places in Zambia. Great, right? <coughs> anyway, <laughs> that brother from Europe didn't like the answer. Just to pray is too naive. <clears throat> you know, we've been brainwashed in the ways of the world. That's our problem. We've been brainwashed in the ways of the world. We want these psychological answers to other problems. And What would you do with a boy, a rebellious boy of about 18 years old? What do you think about it? See if you've got a better answer than I thought. I thought, well, I'm just from the bush, man. I don't know much about this sort of thing. <laughs> they didn't like my answer anyway. <clears throat> I still haven't figured out why. <clears throat> you know, we've been brainwashed by the world instead of being, uh, having, having our minds um, <clears throat> uh, in tune with the word of God. After all, Elijah was a man of like passions as us, wasn't he? And he prayed... And for three and a half years, not a drop of rain fell. And he was just like you and me, it's what the Bible says. <coughs> and when God saw the time was up to give him a bit of rain, he prayed again and God sent the rain. God is in control. If he can control the weather, he can surely control <coughs> governments and so on. And of course, you know that phrase, the devil, the devil <clears throat> trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. But often I feel that we rush to find glib answers from the world's psychology and so on, instead of getting down on our knees before God and letting him solve the problem. Look at verse 29. We're going to come back to this earlier section. They quoted... Incidentally, Psalm 2, in their prayer, reminding themselves as to who sits on the throne. And then in verse 29, they actually made a request. They only prayed for two things, actually. That's all. Verse 29, they start praying. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word the two requests they made <clears throat> what a temptation to pray and say god why can't you strike that chief that high priest down dead i mean why can't you make them uh, so that they they lose all respectability in the eyes of the rest of the The Jewish nation. You know, a lot of things have come to our minds. That's not what they did. I was in Zimbabwe. We were in Zimbabwe once. Uh, Zimbabwe is actually the country I was born in when I was southern Rhodesia. It's now Zimbabwe and it's controlled by a little man called Mugabe. When we were last there, we used to go there for medical treatment. We read in the newspaper one of his speeches. He said, I want to be 10 times worse than Hitler. You may have heard that that they used to, He started throwing the whites off the farms. Many of those whites actually bought those farms from the government. I'm not supporting this political thing at all. I just want to point out that the Christians, when we were down there, we went to a prayer meeting and they said, we don't know how to pray. Should we pray that God will will have someone assassinate Mugabe? How should we pray? Well, the Bible tells us what to do about our rulers. What does it say? Pray for your rulers. And if God has allowed that murderer, which is what he is, he's murdered thousands of the Matabidi tribe in order to get into power when he first got in, he's murdered, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands more at the last election when he lost it, but he forced his way in so that he could continue as head of state. But God has allowed it. And you know, when, he, when those farms were taken over from these white farmers, <clears throat> we had a lot of missionaries in Zimbabwe, and many of the white, many of those farmers, they put up schools, they had clinics, They were pretty good to the people working on them, and those people, they knew how to run those farms. Mugabe had have said, well, chase the white guys off and leave the the blacks to to do the work. But he didn't do that. You see, he chased everybody off, and he put in his military thugs. But many of the, the assemblies in Zimbabwe were on those farms. So as a result of that, Many, many believers were completely displaced. So where do you go? You've been born, your ancestors have been born, and you've lived all your life in a certain place, and suddenly the army comes in and you're thrown out. And I say, the African Zimbabweans suffered more than the white Zimbabweans. They were displaced completely. They had to go back to what's called the tribal trust lands Way out, I think you say, in the boonies. Is that what you say here? Anyway, way out in the outback somewhere and try and start another living. And my mind went to Acts chapter 8. When uh, when Stephen was stoned in chapter 7 and Saul started uh, throwing Christians into prison, beating them up and so on, they scattered. And what did they do? They went everywhere, wherever they went rather, they were preaching the word. That's how God allowed, got his people moving. You know, they weren't moving. In, in chapter one, they were told, go into all the, that's uh, Matthew, go into, uh, Mark, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Acts chapter one, when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be uh, my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Chapter two, of course, they're in Jerusalem. Chapter three, they're in Jerusalem. Chapter four, they're in Jerusalem. Then there's a little outreach into Judea, not much of a one, but a little outreach. And chapter five, they haven't gone any further. Chapter six, they haven't gone any further. Chapter seven, they're still there. When are they gonna get out? (coughs) Nobody knows, well, God knows. And he allowed Stephen to be stoned Why? I believe the reason is found in Chapter 8, because wherever they went, they started preaching the word. And so finally, through persecution, the word went. And so it happened in, in, in Zimbabwe. These poor believers, thrown off these farms, had to go out to these way out places, and they could carry the gospel with them, and we need to pray for people like that. <clears throat> <clears throat> um, anyway, they asked us, what, how should we pray about Mugabe? I said, well, I can't tell you anything different to what the Word of God says. Pray for those who rule over you. There's no good being like John and uh, James, his brother, The sons of Boanerges, they were called, which means the sons of thunder coming through Samaria one day. They wouldn't receive the Lord. And so these two fellows said, let's pray and ask God to send down fire from heaven and destroy these guys. And the Lord said, no, we don't work that way. Just carry on. If they don't want us here, we go to the next village. That's all. So we don't get up and fight the work of God and we've got to do God's work in God's way. But look what they said. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats. That's their first request. They've threatened us never to use your name again. And they spread it before the Lord and say, Lord, look on their threats. And they don't ask God to do anything except to look on their threats. I find that absolutely thrilling. A little kid goes to school, never been to school before, comes back crying. He's been bullied or something or other. What does he do? Goes to his mom or his dad, and he says, look what happened. He does not say, look what happened, can you go to that school and have the headmaster expelled? Can you go to that school and find the father of that kid that bashed me and have him beaten up? He didn't tell God what to do. Or he doesn't tell his dad or mom what to do, he just spreads it before them. That's what they did here, you know. Look on their threats, he knows what to do. He's quite capable, he's our loving heavenly father. And if it's some personal issue with us, we just bring it to Him. Spread it before Him. Let Him take care of it in His way. You see, if you don't know what the will of God is, there's no other way to pray but to spread it before God and let Him do the work His way. And that's what they did. Oh, of course, it ended up in the next chapter with all of them being arrested. Well, if that God allowed that, that's fine. <clears throat> but eventually it all came out. Uh, and, and to go back to chapter 12, they chopped off, um, um, what's his name, James's head, but God released uh, Peter from prison. It starts off in verse 1 and 2, in other words, with Herod combining with the Jewish authorities to destroy these disciples. And it ends up at the end with this king being eaten by worms and dying. Great, as I mentioned this morning, suffering with great, great pain as worms ate away in his inside and then dying. God sits on the throne. God can take care of his own. Wonderful. Now, if you don't know how to, what to pray for, that's the best way to pray. But there are certain things we do know God's will in. And one thing they knew was that the Lord had said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So now they say, the second request, also in verse 29, grant to your servants that with boldness they may speak your word. Give us the boldness to speak your word no matter what it costs. And that's what we have to pray for. When we know that 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 is being, um, uh, we are, people are trying to undermine, uh, stopping us uh, from preaching the gospel, spreading the word of God, and it's gonna increase, as I say, and I'm sure you believe that. In other words, they are saying, Give us boldness so we just ignore those threats completely, those we're going to leave with you. You can sort that out. Whatever they do to us, well, we're happy because we know you're in charge. But as far as we're concerned, one thing we know is what your son told us, and that is go into all the world and preach the gospel. So that's our job. Help us to do it. That's what they prayed for and um, <clears throat> that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through, your na- and through the name of your holy servant Jesus, and that these sign gifts that were given to the apostles uh, would be evidenced. In verse 31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues. Is that what it says? No. I just mentioned that in passing. There's a, a lot of young people here. A young guy <clears throat> came to me one day, he said, Why is it that every time they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the, the Bible says they spoke in tongues? I said, My Bible doesn't say that. If you go back and check the whole book of Acts, it says that once. Once. Other times they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they dished up the food, the the, the deacons who were chosen in chapter six. Here, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. Nothing to do with tongues. This business, anyway, I'm not preaching on that, so. (laughs) I just mentioned it for some of you younger guys in case you've been misled by some of your friends at college or something. Uh, Okay. Now I want to, so they prayed two things. When they didn't know the, how to pray, they left it with the Lord. They told them about it, and that's where they ended. When they knew what they were supposed to do, they asked for boldness to get on with the job and do it, no matter what it cost, and either way, no matter what it cost. Now i go back, if you would please, <clears throat> to the, the scripture that they quoted at the beginning of their prayer, which is actually Psalm 2. Look at verse 24. Look at verse 24, not at Psalm 2, but you can check Psalm 2 later. Verse 24, when they heard this problem, they raised their voice to God, and with one accord said, Lord, you are God. The version we were using when we taught the young people in Zambia was the RSV, and it says, sovereign Lord, Lord, you are sovereign, completely in charge. <coughs> and you made heaven and earth and the sea that's in, and all that is in them. And by the mouth of your servant David, you've said, why did the nations rage? The people plotted vain things. The people were the Jews, plotting against Christ. The kings of the earth took their stands and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord. The Gentile kings, the Roman rulers, the Jewish leaders all got together to do what? To crucify the Lord of glory. And if you read Psalm 2, in verse 4 it says, I'm going to read it. Sorry, I'm working in three languages out in Africa, so I often have to read a verse instead of quoted by memory. Psalm 2, <clears throat> verse 4. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall hold them in derision. Imagine. Wonderful, man. God just laughs at these guys. They're opposing me. And Christ said, I will build my church, and they're opposing what I am, am doing. He just laughs, you know. After all, who are these? Just puny men, that's all. They're here today and gone tomorrow. They may oppose us today, but tomorrow, where are they? They're down on the pit of hell, facing the judge all mankind, those who haven't trusted Christ. <coughs> And so they quote this psalm to encourage themselves to remember God is sovereign. If he wants one of the believers to die like Stephen or later on James in chapter 12, well, that's up to him. If he wants a guy to go to prison because he refuses to obey some lecturer or professor at college, well, God can look after his people. And out of that, there'll definitely be spiritual growth to the church. <coughs> we had to teach uh, the grade 12 kids in Zambia. We, we As volunteers, we went into these government schools <coughs> to teach the Bible. They used to sit an exam, which was set uh, by Cambridge University. So we had to teach in great detail. And usually, each year it changed. It would be one of the Gospels plus the Book of Acts was the normal. And when we came to this particular passage, uh, as I said, the Bible we used to use then was the RSV. And this verse, at 24, they lifted up their voice with one accord and said, Sovereign Lord. And we, we talked about God being in charge, nobody able to withstand him. Well, that was good, but it came to the place where they had to put it into practice because in the northwest province, where this this Zambezi school is, there are four other high schools, four others, one, two, three, four, five altogether, including Zambezi. Now, they were going to have a sports weekend at Zambezi. Now, we had, some of you saw the slides yesterday, had, we're having tremendous opportunities in that government high school. We were just volunteers, we had no authority, but God opened the door every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, 1,500 teenagers sitting in front of you, week after week, listening to the gospel. Sunday night, because when we first got independence, there were not enough teachers in Zambia, they got teachers from all over the world. Russia, got a nurse from China, Scandinavia, Italians from England, America even, all over the world. So we decided, these guys don't speak the local language, so Sunday night we'll have them in our house and give them a, a, have a gospel message in English. And we started inviting them, and they came. We'd get 60 to 80 people on a Sunday night people who had never heard the gospel before, sitting on the sound of the gospel week after week. So Sunday then was a day that God was using greatly. Now the sports weekend came. Four other schools were coming to play against our school. You had to play soccer, netball, volleyball, a whole bunch of things. So I went to the, the sports master, and said very politely, I said, by the way, when you make up your timetable, please remember that at 8 o'clock Sunday morning, we have a school service. uh, When the whole school comes to listen to the word of God. And I said, if it's possible, uh, we'd appreciate if you had nothing on on Sunday night, because as you know... Almost all the teachers come over to this meeting in our house. Well, he took note of that, and he did exactly the opposite. (laughs) The Notice went up on the board with a timetable. Some of the Christian kids came and said, sir, you see what's happening? I said, no. He said, are they starting their first game of soccer at 8 o'clock Sunday morning when we have the meeting? And he said, we know you have that service on Sunday night. And he's got down there, there's going to be a party for the teachers on Sunday night. (laughs) Oh, well. I said, well, you know, I've got no authority in the school. We are just volunteers. And I said, what have we been learning in the Book of Acts? God is sovereign. Now let's put it into practice. What did they do when they were threatened? They just took it to the Lord and said, Lord, look on their threats. Mm -hmm. And so that's what these teenagers had to do, and we ourselves too, of course. Here's a man lifting himself up. He could easily have started the games at 9.30, <clears throat> no problem at all, but he was f- opposing God, not me, nobody else. He was opposing God. Well, it was very interesting because the nearest school is Kabumpo. It's about 100 miles away. <clears throat> they arrived on Friday, so Saturday they played all their different games against the local school. That was all over and done with. The next nearest school is Mukingi, uh, I don't know, about 300 miles away, I guess. <clears throat> they never received the letter of invitation. God made sure it got lost in the post. The next nearest school uh, was Solwezi, which is the, the, the capital of uh, that province. I guess that's about 400 miles away. <clears throat> They received the letter, and for the first time in 18 years, they couldn't find transport. You see that the the capital town of that province, and they always were able to borrow a vehicle uh, or a truck. We used trucks for transporting kids to borrow a truck from one of the government ministries. Never failed, except this time. So they never even started off. (laughs) That left Winnie Lunga. They're about, oh, I don't know, 500 miles away, I suppose. <clears throat> they got the letter, they got the truck, and they started off down the road. <clears throat> Schoolboys and girls are praying. God is sovereign. sorry, 20, <coughs> 20 miles down the road. God sent such a tremendous tropical storm and it was a mud road that that truck got stuck in the mud, <coughs> couldn't move an inch, and those kids had to get out of the truck, trenched in water, and walk back to their school. Nobody came. Why? God is sovereign. That's the privilege we have, you know, being in the family of God. So Sunday morning came. Yes, we had 1,500 kids, plus the Kabumpo kids who'd come Friday at that meeting, and two boys made a profession of faith. Sunday night, we had that meeting in our home, and one of the science teachers trusted the Lord. God always has the last word. So that's just a few thoughts. When we face problems, and we're going to face them, number one, share them with our brothers and sisters. Secondly, take them to the Lord. Don't spend hours planning and scheming of what we can do. <clears throat> it's his work. Let him do the, the, the worrying. If he's given us instructions in the Word, well, of course, we need to check them and make sure we're following them. But if it's his domain and not ours, don't step in there. It's his domain. And if he's told you what to do, well, then get down and do it. And in closing, let me say this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. My father-in-law was one of the first men to get a vehicle out in that part of the bush. And he stopped on the road. There was a woman carrying a big load on her head. So he stopped and said, you can get in, I'll give you a lift. She got in. And she kept the load on her head. He started driving, he looked in the mirror. He stopped, he said, you don't need to carry the load. Take the load off and put it down. Oh no. Muata, she says, I can't do that. You are so kind in carrying me. I don't want you to carry my load as well. (laughs) Well, we often do that, don't we? We lay our burden before the Lord. And then we spend the night worrying about it, being anxious for everything under the sun. So, brothers, there's a few thoughts to you to go on Maybe somebody would like to close in prayer.
1: or in persecution. Uh, You count it a great privilege, Lord, to be able to call upon your name. Thank you for the challenge here today, competing with God and competing with His sovereignty and to allow Him to work in our lives and allow Him to uh, minister around us, uh, to allow Him, as the Scripture says, to stretch out His arms to reach out his science and wonders. So we thank you, Father, we thank you for our brother who's been so gracious sharing with us his heart, of his uh, ministry, and for the experiences that you've allowed him to participate in his journey in serving you. May we all be so faithful and be mindful of the simplicity of your word and how you would have us approach you as a child simplicity. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.